Well, good morning, my friends. I'm glad you could be with me today as we're in God's Word together. We've been in the midst of an extended study of 1 John, and now we're in the fifth chapter. The last two days, we've been examining together some verses in the fifth chapter about prayer. I want to read those again today, and hopefully we'll conclude our look, our unfolding of those particular verses, starting in verse 14 of chapter 5 of 1 John. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. We've been looking at prayer. We've been looking at God's great promise to us about prayer. These are verses all about confidence, resting in a great promise that God has made to us. The promise is this, that those who are his children can know that they have the Father's ear, that the Father hears and the Father answers them in prayer. Frequently now in our study of 1 John, I've been reminding you, as 1 John does, that not all are children of God. All are creatures of God, of course, but only those who have repented and believed in the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ have been given, as John 1.12 puts it, the right to be called children of God. As children in the family now, adopted by God into his very family, we have confidence to come before him. We can speak confidently with God because he is our father, not only the God of the universe, but now our father. We have a special family relationship with the God who is really there. We've been examining many of the implications of that. I won't repeat them all today, but I want to build our examination today upon that foundation. One of the other things that we learn in these verses about God's answers to prayer to his children is this, that God's answers to prayer are always answers in accordance with his will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. <laughs> God always answers prayer in accordance with his perfect will. That's why in prayer we come before God and Pray, thy will, not our own, be done. You remember when Jesus was answering the question to his disciples, from his disciples, about prayer and how they ought to pray. This is what he said in, verses in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is the will of the Father that is the goal ultimately in our lives. And that all of our prayers ultimately submit to that perfect will of God because ultimately that will is the right one. Notice how that was fleshed out later on in the book of Matthew in the life of the Lord Jesus as he approaches his death in that night leading up to the cross. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 39 as he's in the garden praying, it says, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. All prayer is to ultimately desire the perfect will of God to be put forward. And all of our prayers should always say, Not my will, but thine be done. Now, Jesus certainly put before the Father, if possible, let this, pass, let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, it was capstoned with that acknowledgement 
that it's God's will, ultimately, that is the best and what we want. I guess the point here is that as children of God and in this incredible privileged position that we have before God to come and bring our requests to him, we need to humbly accept the finiteness of our life, the finiteness as it's expressed in prayer. What do I mean by that? Well, simply this. You and I simply don't know what's best, what's right, what's proper to ask for. <laughs> Consider in the natural family sense, a child, a small child going to a parent and sincerely asking for something and the parent knows that's not the best thing for the child. No good parent is going to answer and give to the child what the child asks for if what they're asking for is not ultimately best for the child. Well, of course, now in a spiritual sense, as children of God, what kind of God would he be? What kind of father would he be if he responds to our prayers by granting something that's ultimately not in line with his will, which is always best, then something ultimately that would harm us, not help us. The Heavenly Father will only answer prayer in accordance with what is best for us. Now, Jesus got at this in Luke chapter 11 as he was teaching about prayer. Notice these verses in 11 to 13 of Luke chapter 11. What father among you, if his son asked for a fish, would instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In other words, Jesus is telling us, listen, your Heavenly Father is not going to answer you with something that's not best for you. What is best for you? What's best for me? The perfect will of God. That's what's best. That's what is right. And we have a Heavenly Father who's determined that that, in fact, will be what the answer to prayer is all about. This should make us feel very much at peace when we pray. Because the driver's seat is not mine, it's God's. And even as I voice my desires and my concerns before him, I can know that as a loving father, he will not allow something. He will not even answer what I'm asking in a way that is counter my needs, counter what is ultimately best. So brothers and sisters, here's the core point here. Don't be presumptuous when it comes to prayer. Be confident. Come before the Lord. Let our requests be made known to him. Know that we're his child. He cares about us. But don't assume you know God's will and demand that God do something the way you want to see it unfold. One of the characteristics of false teachers in our age, and I'm sure it's been true always in all ages, but especially our age, is that they imply when they teach about prayer that you and I are in the driver's seat, that you and I are in a position where we can mandate that God does something in the way that we want him to do it. Brothers and sisters, God is not our genie. To be his children doesn't mean we have him wound around our fingers so he's at our beck and call to do what we want to have done. That's blasphemy. That's not biblical. No, no. We serve a Heavenly Father. We can confidently come into his presence. We can let our requests be made known and know that he will always answer that in accordance with his perfect will. You and I are finite and ultimately weak when it comes to knowing what's best. <laughs> you and I are finite in prayer. 
I think that's the reason in Romans chapter 8 that we find this challenge given to us, this promise and challenge kind of combined together about the need for the indwelling Holy Spirit's help when we pray. Listen to these words in Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because, listen to this, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Listen, we can let our requests be made known to God. We're supposed to do that. And yet God says, listen, my response to your privileged opportunity to come before me and ask is always going to be in accordance with my will. The Holy Spirit who now indwells you as my child will always take whatever it is you're praying and end up changing it into saying the perfect will of God be fulfilled. So, bottom line, you and I can come before God and let our requests be made known. Let our heart be expressed. But we also are doing that, resting in the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Knowing the Holy Spirit will take our heart, he will modify and align our prayer requests with the perfect will of God. And we can also know as we come before our Heavenly Father, he has only our best interest at heart. He will only answer prayer in a way that is in perfect will, in accord with his perfect will, I mean to say. God always does that. He will always work out answers to prayer, and you're in our life in that fashion. Well, one of the questions somebody raises to me is to say, well, if that's the case, why even pray? If God's will is going to be done anyway, why should we pray? And here's the answer to that. Ultimately, we pray because God says to pray. <laughs> you don't have to always understand why you do something. If God says do it, you do it. But listen, God does tell us other things about prayer. He says this is prayer is one of the ways that we deal with worry and anxiety and the temptation to be consumed by such worry and anxiety. Consider Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5. Listen, God says, bring your request before me. Be anxious in nothing. Put your needs before me. Put your desires before me. But always as you pray, and like Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And may your perfect will be done in all situations in my life. So are you resting in God's great promise about prayer? That number one, you can come before him. You're his child. And number two, that he will always answer you in the way that is best for you, that which is in line with his will. Well, join me tomorrow as we continue, Lord willing, in our study. We'll shift from prayer to discipline from God as a loving Heavenly Father. God bless.